The Talking Point with Kathy Mosasana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. As always, I'll be taking your calls on 011-714-2006 on the WhatsApp line 0614-104-107 and on Twitter at SFM Radio, the hashtag SAFM Talking Point. Let's get into our thinking point today and it's around the doctors who are going to be picketing at Chris Hani Baroganath Academic Hospital in Soweto over the decision to cut several posts there. Professor Martin Smith is the clinical head of the Department of Surgery at that hospital. Professor Smith, good morning to you. Thanks for your time today. Morning, Cathy, and thank you for giving us this opportunity. Um, can I just correct something? It's not just the doctors sure. who are concerned. It's all health professionals, mm. nurses and the allied health workers who are affected in the same way. So this is not just the doctors at the hospital. Tell us about what exactly is happening, uh, Professor Smith. So, Cathy, I think it talks very much to the historical positioning of Chris Honey Baragonath Hospital, and it talks to uh, its budget. But in particular, uh, what's happened now is that uh, over the last two years, a budget was made available to appoint people on contract posts, which they called COVID posts, uh, to cope with the pandemic. Now, at Chris Honey Baragonath Hospital, we have a firm belief that, in fact, the extra posts we got were a correction. Uh, of the previous staff establishment, which was uh, inadequate. And it was inequitable for the kind of work that happens at this hospital. But with the appointment of those posts, clearly the individuals appointed have not just been dealing with COVID because it comes in waves. And what's become clear to us is how these extra posts really corrected uh, what we've been saying for many years is that our staff establishment is is inadequate. And... um, Now these contract posts are about to end at the end of this month, and we've been motivating through our hospital management uh, for a number of months to say we need to retain these posts Mm -hmm. to be able to maintain the quality and level of care that we provide. In addition to that, we also have had to deal over the last year with the uh, impact of the fire at the Charlotte Matjeka Janetburg Academic Hospital, which has had a significant impact on many of our departments. And while we hear that that hospital may open its emergency department, we know that they will not be opening their full complement of beds. And so we expect that we will continue to carry uh, the load. As do other hospitals like Helen Joseph, we will continue to carry the load uh, at Chris Barra. And so we feel that the uh, failure to recognize this is insensitive and irresponsible of the Gauteng Health Department because it leaves us again vulnerable uh, to uh, uh, some of the services possibly having to be cut and to poor care uh, for the patients given that our staff establishment. And again, that staff establishment is not just doctors, it's nurses and allied health professionals. So it's across the board. Health professionals are needed in this hospital. And so we feel that this cut of 50% of these posts, uh, we have to raise our voice. We have to be heard uh, being advocates for our patients and making sure that the vulnerable and the disadvantaged in the country are not being disadvantaged again mm-hmm. uh, in a hospital that serves a huge population of uh, vulnerable and underserved people. 
On this issue of the budget, Professor Smith, it was interesting to me just um, reading the, the, the problems that you've highlighted and identifying the fact that the, the Chris Hani Baragwanath um, Academic Hospital budget is a fraction of what other hospitals that are much smaller receive. Unpack that for me. So I think that there's um, a failure to recognize the level of care. So we're not talking about level of care. It's about the complexity of services provided in this hospital. Mm. And so other hospitals may have had oncology, which we don't have, or may have had cardiothoracic surgery, which we don't have. But that doesn't justify this huge differential. And I think it's failure to recognize. Now, I think that failure is probably the hospital's responsibility as well. But I think it's, again, talks to the budget because we're not capacitated to kind of have the kind of systems that other hospitals have to be able to demonstrate exactly uh, the level of care we're providing to how many patients. And so there's this misperception that Chris Oni Baragwanath Hospital functions as a primary, regional, and tertiary hospital with very little quaternary services. And I think that's what's happened and what's become clear, particularly over the last year with the fire, is that this hospital has been able to assume much of that responsibility by just continuing to what it that what it's always done, but by increasing the number of patients we care for. So we think that the budget, and we've motivated for many, many years through many administrations, we've motivated that our budget, based on a historical spend, is incorrect because it doesn't reflect the kind of work that we're doing here. And I think this, again, is is, is a reflection of that same problem. Mm. What is likely to be the impact of the reduction of these posts? And, um, you, you know, you you talked about the fact that even though this was an intervention measure, it should have been done with or without COVID because there were gaps of capacity that, that needed to be filled. So when it came to the, the, the impact of those gaps, how did the hospital operate without this additional staff? Well, we operated in suboptimal ways. So mm. we had, uh, you know, we, we have a huge committed uh, uh, staff. And so they just go the extra mile. And I think that the impact of, uh, of, of physician or doctor and health professional burnout in this hospital is probably higher than others because people just know they've got to do what they've got to do. And they put up with the inefficiencies of this hospital. Interns are porters, they clerks, they're running around doing work that not, should not normally be in there. You know, they've not been trained for this. They've been trained for other work. So I think that as a hospital, we've just pulled together and done what we've had to do. But that's the, that's the passion of this hospital. That's what's made Chris Oni Baragonis Hospital special. I've worked here for over 30 years or been connected to this hospital. And I can tell you that it's a special hospital. There's a special heart and then there's a special energy. And it's out of that that we've managed to cope. But when you can see, when you do get that extra bit of help and you can see what it actually does, then you're much clearer about the impact of removing these posts. Mm. So I don't mean to sound just emotional about this, but I think there's a reality to the quality of care that's being provided when you don't have adequate staff, particularly nursing staff. I mean, nursing staff is a huge problem. I think it's a national problem and we recognize that. But the, the, the maldistribution and the inequitable distribution of nursing staff, particularly when some hospitals are doing very little and other hospitals are doing more, it doesn't make sense to us. 
what has the department of education of the department of health sorry uh, had to say in the engagements that you've had so we have not had as clinicians and mm. as health professionals we've not had an engagement and part of what our action today is to ask them to come and meet with us, to walk around our hospital. Don't just sit in a boardroom with us. Walk around our hospital, see actually what's happening on the ground. See the kind of uh, uh, um, overloaded and overburdened environment that we work in. And actually the infrastructure being really poor as well. So we've asked them to come, and part of what we're asking today is for them to meet with us urgently. Our hospital management, to the best of our knowledge, has been motivating, and it took a long time. We didn't get a response until earlier this week where we got a response about this cut. And so now with three weeks to go, out of the 800 people employed on this current, 800 or more people employed on this contract basis, 400 will not be able to be employed. And so how do you choose who those 400 are? How do you work uh, uh, around keeping some of them, but not all of them? How do we take young people who don't have any job opportunities and tell them at the end of the month, you knew you weren't going to go, but actually, sorry, we're going to take Dr. A, but not Dr. B. So they're giving us suggestions that everyone should go and we should re-employ. But that's a ludicrous suggestion because it leaves gaps in service delivery while the overburdened HR processes of... uh, of recruitment and appointment are allowed to play their their own way out. So I think there are many concerns about their lack of engagement and their failure to inform us timelessly about how we're going to manage uh, this particular problem. Professor Smith, I'm going to ask you just to stay on the line uh, a bit briefly for me. Uh, There's one or two other questions I want to get to you before we let you go. It's just after 9.30 and has your latest news headlines. The Talking Point with Kathy Mosasana, weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. We continue the conversation on the talking point. In a moment, I'll be taking your calls on 011-714-2006 on the WhatsApp line 0614-104-107. I'm seeing uh, some of your messages coming through on the WhatsApp line already. Lots of you focusing on the question of inequality in this country. And it really is, I think, the biggest problem that we face as a society. Well, Professor Martin Smith is with the Chris Honey uh, Baragwanath Academic Hospital. Staff there, medical staff, will be holding a picket. Uh, this is following the announcement of cutting uh, posts to that particular hospital. Uh, Professor Smith, you know, you have described for us why it would look like the obvious thing to keep the, you know, these members of staff, especially if the focus then is on the quality of care that the hospital would want to provide. What kind of message is it sending to you, to the staff, and do you think it is sending to society that you even have to pick it to be heard on this issue, that, that it is not something that it, it is seen for what it is uh, at the onset? Uh, I mean, it's a challenging question that you asked me, but um, but but I guess, I mean, I'm not a, a social or political commentator, but it seems to me that that's part of what's become usual in South Africa, is you only get heard when you uh, uh, when you you know raise your voice. I think that behind all of this is that uh, 
health professionals have a deep sense of their responsibility to be advocates of the patient and uh, by extension of communities when it comes to health issues. And so I think it's that deep sense of commitment to that advocacy uh, that we have felt that we, we have reached this point where the anger it induces in us means that we can only uh, raise our voices and that to remain silent is not an option for health professionals. Um, there may be consequences for raising your voice, but as health professionals, ethically, uh, we're obliged to raise our voices. We're obliged to be the advocates of the patients. Uh, and so I think that that's what's driving this. I think the frustration um, of the impact on patient care is, is at the center of, of everything that we're doing. Professor, sure that answers yeah, your question. It absolutely does. Um, please keep us posted on what happens post today. And if, in fact, you are engaged going forward, we'll certainly keep an eye on this particular story. Professor Martin Smith, the head of the clinical head of the Department of Surgery at Chris Honey Baragwanath Academic Hospital. And, 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 you know, I must say it is shameful It is really, really shameful that you have medical staff that have to protest so that they can be given the necessary capacity to fulfill a duty to the people of this country. These are not, you know, for when you are sick, you are so vulnerable. You are so vulnerable in that position. And these are the people that are there to make your life a little easier. The fact that they have to fight to make their jobs possible so that they can take care of others is absolutely shameful. All right, let me go to the phone lines. Elvis, you're calling us from, from Midrand. Good morning. Morning, morning, Kathy and the listeners. Um, inequality issue. Kathy, here yeah, we are not going to win. Um, because uh, we are led by politicians. And uh, for you to become the president, you don't need to have a certain criteria. It's a political system. Look at how much these guys are costing us as politicians. Mm -hmm. Tomorrow they can decide to increase their salaries, right? Uh, Tomorrow they can go to parliament and say, no, we we need to add in 5% on our salaries of 50%. There's nothing that we can do about it. And um, those who are not in the system benefiting, they criticize each other. Look at other political parties. You know, they criticize, they criticize, but when you look into them and say, okay, who's Julius Malema, for example, you'll see that he's the very same person who comes from the very same organization that they don't really care about us. So now, what it means is that we need not to focus and rely too much on politicians because these people will never solve our problem because the more we have problems, the more we rely on them. That is the reason why there's too much inequality. And the system... It says always, you say, uh, go to school, study, you get a chance to get employment. Let me tell you, Katie, any profession that you can think of in the market is there. There's no employment. It's what we call supply and demand. There's too much uh, uh, people who are graduating and then uh, the market does not have enough jobs to employ them. So, in the reality, is that um, people should think in terms of you know, small businesses. You know, you strive in your small business, you work hard, you push. And then uh, uh, something will come out of it. That is why now, when you look at SABC, for example, you have people who have, who have massive experience, right? And uh, who can able to open their businesses and employ others in terms of journalism, 
uh, so many things that they can do to improve as a small business, but they don't do that because they're sitting, they are, they are used to it. They are comfortable earning whatever salary it is because in terms of inflation, right now it's speaking to There is a, what they call invasion um, in, in, in Ukraine by Russia. Uh, we are in Africa, but it's affecting us because the economy is centralized. You know, we get uh, uh, oil from these people. Now they are telling you, you can see now, as from February, they are saying uh, petrol is going to go up because of this. And we don't know when this uh, 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 war will to end. So I don't think the poor person will remain poor and you have to pop out a lot of money to get to work. But, you know? but, but, but Elvis, when we say we must leave the politicians out of it, then what are the other options? Because at the end of the day, Government is the one that directs policy. Government is the one that is sitting with the kind of budget that will be able to influence the state of affairs in this country. So when you look at the World Bank report and what it says on access to to opportunity, right? So if if you are living in a rural area and there is no effort made to try yes. and bring some kind of proce- progress to that area, i.e. Yes. opportunity to that area. That means that by virtue of positioning, you are condemned to that position probably for the rest of your life, and it is not changing. Well, Katie, my, my point is this. I'm saying to you, we can't rely on this politician. And the reason for it is simple. Let me tell you, and I'm a circulator. But I earn more than some of the journalists of the SABC. You know why? I played a long time ago. I'm not saying education is not important. I'm saying it's important, right? But I'm saying to you, there is a time when you get employment entry level, they give you maybe, let's say, 80 k a month. People are so comfortable to earn rather than to create opportunities of employment. I left shop a long time ago. I, I was at number 56 way. That's not far away from SABC, working for, for the next person. But I made a choice in 2008 to leave employment and go and what you call hustle. You know, but I can tell you now, Casey, I really master, even if there is some problem here and there, I survive. I don't rely on politics. These people are liars. Whatever that they tell you, they are not honest because they are doing this for themselves and their families. When you ask Julius Malema, where is your son studying? He's in private school, right? And he's got enough money to pay for his son. And every day, what, what they do, they wear red overalls. They want to behave like they're like me and you, Katie. They are poor, but they're not poor. They are rich. And they, they steal from us. Every month they get paid. Remember, when you're a politician or MP, you don't volunteer and then uh, you don't get paid. Every month you get salary. But what they do, they get salary that they, they, they steal. Look, uh, Dr. Jerim Kise, he was a minister of health. Uh, he got a PhD, but he still small money. He was involved in some uh, PP, PP um, uh, scandal. Yes. And when you look at it, it's a, the wife benefited. All right. Elvis? You to be a, a rocket scientist to understand it, that they are not there for us. Elvis, I've got a break coming up. The point has been made. I'll take more of your calls. 11